Hello, Campus Cronies. Welcome back to Campus Crime Chronicles. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Turner, higher education professional and true crime addict. In every episode of this podcast, I take a deep dive into some sort of true crime that occurred on a school campus or a crime that's associated with a college or university in some way. For each episode, I rate the seriousness of the crime from one to five on my serious crime scale, with one being completely not serious, possibly even a little humorous from time to time, to five being very serious. This episode is rated a four. The COVID-19 pandemic affected the mental health of college students at very rapid rates. Not only were they navigating the physical effects of COVID and how it impacted themselves and their loved ones, but they were also having to abruptly adjust to a completely digital world. Just imagine being forced to take courses like statistics and chemistry and molecular biology in a solely online format. They were also forced to move out of their dorms and off campus, not knowing when they would be able to return to their personal belongings and the only collegiate atmosphere they knew at the time. The changes and the uncertainty dramatically affected their mental health. I know this in part because my dissertation, my doctoral research, focused on mental health and help-seeking behavior among college students. For example, depression reported among college students increased by nearly 50% after the start of the pandemic, and one in five students reported experiencing suicidal thoughts. The person we're going to talk about today in this episode, Dane Elkins, is one of these statistics. He was a college student studying at UC Santa Cruz, but in the spring of 2020, 21-year-old Dane decided he couldn't do it anymore. The world of online learning just wasn't his thing. He found himself unable to concentrate on his studies and he became withdrawn and depressed. So Dane moved home for a few months before he suddenly went missing. One day he was talking to his family and the next he was just gone. This episode is titled Searching for Dane Elkins. So without further ado, let's get started. Elkins is the oldest of four siblings who was raised in Los Angeles by their parents, Brett and Deborah Elkins. Growing up, Dane was most proud to be a big brother to his younger three siblings, Cody, Jade, and Maddie. Dane's mom, Deborah, said, quote, Dane is the sweetest, kindest person. He is so empathetic, so fun. He loves being a big brother. He just loves his siblings, end quote. And Dane would find joy in taking care of his younger siblings, too. While they were growing up, he would often play kitchen with them and provide them with play menus and make them play food. As they got older, it wasn't uncommon for Dane to make TikTok videos with Maddie and try to participate in all the latest dances and social media trends with her. With Cody, he would often joke and laugh, and the two would play racquetball together. And with Jade, well, Dane and Jade had a very special relationship and sibling bond. You see, Jade is transgender and identifies as female. Jade explained that Dane was actually the first person to ask her about her gender identity and wondered if she would ever transition. Jade said, quote, maybe he just understood me really well, or maybe he was just the first person who was bold enough to ask me directly. I don't know. That's a mystery that still lingers to this day, and I really hope to be able to find out soon, end quote. She further explained that at the time when Dane first discussed it with her, 
She hadn't transitioned just yet. She wasn't quite ready. So it breaks her heart that even though he was the first person to ask her, he will be the last one to find out. In general, Dane is a very athletic person who enjoys an active lifestyle. In high school, Dane particularly liked to play racquetball, and he was super good at it, which is the understatement of the year. Like, he was so good at racquetball that he was a 23-time national junior racquetball champion, and he was the second person ever to compete in the USA Racquetball National High School Championship and win all three number one gold divisions. And in addition to that, Dane also has a black belt in karate. So as you can see, he's a very active person who not only likes playing sports, but he's also just super skilled at them. After high school, Dane began attending college at UC Santa Cruz as an engineering major. So he's also a very bright and intelligent individual. In 2019, the semester before the pandemic hit, Dane was thriving in college, and he loved it so much that when Thanksgiving break came around, he told his mom that he didn't want to come home. He told her he just wanted to stay on campus. Plus, the drive was just too long. However, being the kind-hearted, fun-loving person he is, Dane had a big surprise up his sleeve. When he got off the phone with his mom after telling her he wasn't coming home for Thanksgiving, he made the roughly five and a half to six hour drive back to LA through the night. Jade cheerfully explained, quote, he just snuck in during the middle of the night and went to sleep on the couch so that when my parents woke up, they just saw him just sleeping on the couch to surprise them. It was pretty funny, end quote. That Thanksgiving, though, in November of 2019, well, it would be the last Thanksgiving that Dane would spend with his family. You see, when the pandemic hit in the spring of 2020, Dane found himself struggling, to say the least, which was not uncommon for college students at the time. He told his mom that he just couldn't do it anymore and that he wanted to come back home for the semester. He said he was having trouble concentrating and that learning in a solely online environment was more than difficult for him, especially while taking intense, rigorous engineering courses like chemistry and statistics. His mother, however, understood. She said he explained his situation very clearly, with conviction and sincerity, so she knew he was making the best decision for himself by moving back home for a while. However, she also said that, looking back on it, it was the first sign to the family that something was wrong with Dane. So that spring, in March of 2020, Dane moved back to Los Angeles into his family's home. But as the pandemic continued and as businesses shut down and social distancing became the new norm, Dane's mental health suffered. Jade said he seemed bored and frustrated and disillusioned because he was cooped up with basically nowhere to really go. Deborah explained that the shutdown in California was particularly stressful for Dane. When he first came home, he started going to the UCLA campus to work out, and he'd take long walks and run on the steps at UCLA. But eventually, public places like that closed too, and it basically stripped Dane of his last piece of normalcy, of his last piece of an active social lifestyle. His mom recalled how he became incredibly sad when he couldn't work out at UCLA anymore, and he couldn't even go into the ocean or walk on the beach. He was just so down. Deborah also said that Dane would lie in bed for an entire day before suddenly he would step out for hours at night. So she just noticed that something was really off with him. By July 2020, so after four months of living back at home with his family, Dane decided to leave home to quote unquote find himself. He told his mom that he just wanted to go drive around and that he would be staying with friends for a bit while he was trying to find himself. 
Deborah said from July to December of 2020, Dane was supposedly living with friends in the LA area, but he would come back home every couple weeks to check in. During that time, Deborah noticed he was losing weight, you know, like getting thinner and leaner and just not himself physically or mentally. Then one morning in December, he showed up and told his mom that he was coming home again for good. When she asked about his friends though, about the people he was supposedly living with, he simply said he wasn't staying with them anymore because he had overstayed and his friends had ran out. Although Deborah didn't know what that meant exactly. Regardless, Deborah said she was glad to have him home again, but she had a hunch, which was more of a reality, that he wasn't really living with his friends at all. Rather, he was living out of his car for the past several months. So as you can imagine, having him home again after that was a big relief for Dane's parents. On December 15th, 2020, after Dane had moved back home again, Deborah woke up to an empty house. She couldn't find Dane anywhere, although she did observe that he had randomly tossed out some shoes and a perfectly good shirt. And she also noticed that the door to their home was left wide open. Just as he had snuck in a year earlier to surprise his parents, Dane had now snuck out and left for good. After this, Deborah tried calling Dane's cell phone repeatedly, but to no avail. He wasn't answering and he hadn't come back home. So Deborah filed a missing persons report on that day, December 15th, 2020. Six days later on December 21st, after Deborah had tried calling him multiple times, he finally picked up the phone and answered her call. She said at that point, she was just trying to convince him to come home, but he was hard to reason with. He was sort of rambling and talking about the government and how the government was watching him and how it wasn't safe for him to come home. Deborah explained, quote, he was really concerned about his life and the government. And he said, I can't come home. It's not safe. It's not safe. There's threats after my family. There's threats after him. There's targets. It was the most traumatic, stressful situation because I knew something was really wrong. I would just say, Dane, why don't you call 911? Why don't you drive to the nearest hospital? And then he'd want to get off the phone, so I'd say, no, 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 that's fine. Let's just talk about all your options. I said, I love you. That's what I remember. I'm like, I love you, Dane. I just kept repeating that because I wanted that love to get through to him to get him home. End quote. When they finally did make contact with Dane on December 21st, 2020, his family discovered that for the past several days, he had been driving up and down Interstate 5 in California. Essentially, he was driving at least a 260-mile stretch on I-5, which connects Northern California to Southern California, and it's one of the busiest interstates in the country. But on December 21st, Dane's family still had hope because they were finally talking to him. They finally made contact after six days of trying to reach him nonstop. Jade said that when she talked to him on December 21st, she too pleaded with him to come home but her pleas just weren't getting through, like she was talking to a shell of a person. She said he sounded distant and stressed, as if his thoughts were not on their conversation at all, but rather his mind was somewhere else that didn't make sense. Eventually, however, the family was able to convince Dane to call 911, but not for the reasons you might think. Apparently, Dane had a flat tire and had to pull over to the side of the road. According to the reporting of senior writer Shraman Mitra for The Cinemaholic, Dane actually called 911 twice that day asking for help, but he refused to provide a specific reason or location for the help when the 911 operator asked him. So needless to say, it took a while before first responders could actually locate him. It wasn't until the next day that they did find Dane's car. 
But here's the thing. All they found was his car and his personal belongings inside. They discovered it abandoned on the side of the road in a mountainous area along I-5 near Bakersfield, California. But Dane himself was nowhere to be found. It appeared that he just walked away, leaving his car, his phone, his wallet, his ID, and his credit cards behind. Essentially, anything traceable or anything that could lead them to Dane was all left behind in his car. That morning, on December 22nd, Deborah woke up to a phone call from authorities giving her the news about Dane's car. She explained that authorities quickly organized multiple searches with help from several different law enforcement agencies, including the Los Angeles Police Department, the California Highway Patrol, and Castaic Search and Rescue. They even used helicopters and two different search dogs to try and find Dane, but their efforts didn't yield any results. It appeared that Dane was just gone. According to the Paramount Plus docuseries called Never Seen Again, investigators and Dane's family have tossed around three potential theories about what they think might have happened to Dane. And the good news is they really believe he could still be alive. So let's talk about the possibility of an accident before I discuss the other two theories. You see, as I've mentioned, the area where Dane's car was found is very mountainous. And although the interstate is busy with traffic, the rest of the area is kind of desolate. Like, there's not a lot of people just hanging around out there. If they are out there, they're most likely driving on the interstate with a destination in mind. So if Dane walked away on foot, they were concerned about the environmental elements. KTXL Fox 40 reporter Eaton Wallace covered several stories about Dane's disappearance, and he explained that they were most worried about the temperatures affecting him because it tends to get pretty cold at night in the area where he went missing especially in December. And Dane's mom pointed out that there are two lakes in the area as well, the Castaic Lake and Pyramid Lake, and she explained that she wanted authorities to search both of the lakes just in case. She said they were absolutely beside themselves because they just didn't know if he could have made it out of there on foot. But remember, Dane was or is an athlete, a very active, healthy person with a physical build. So they do have hope that he is still alive. And that brings us to the next potential theory, that perhaps Dane purposely went missing so he could live a simpler life off the grid. During the time that he was living in his car between July and December of 2020, Deborah noticed that Dane had been researching alternative ways of living, and he was even sharing content about it on social media. His mom said she could honestly see him finding an abandoned camper or mobile home or even a shack or cabin somewhere and staying in it. At one point, while he was driving up and down I-5 and talking to his mom on the phone, he even told her that he was in Bakersfield and that he liked it there and felt comfortable there. So they considered the possibility that he may have hitchhiked back to Bakersfield or even another California city. But that's just theory two. So let's look at the third and final theory of what might have happened to Dane the one that I personally think is the most plausible. The day that Dane disappeared, you know, before he abandoned his car and left his belongings behind, he posted a video to Snapchat where he was somewhat rambling and not making sense. It was similar to the conversation he had with his mom about the government being after him. In the video, he looked unkempt, unshaven with stubble and a shaggy, messy haircut. The point is, one can clearly see in the video that Dane was going through a challenging time mentally. Fox News reporter Eaton Wallace pointed out that Dane was, one, a racquetball champion, two, an engineering student, 
and three, navigating a global pandemic as a college student. Wallace said, quote, one of those things is enough to make any of us stressed. Now combine the three, and it makes sense that he was feeling distressed at that point, end quote. Considering this, Dane's family thinks he may have experienced some type of psychosis or a mental health crisis. More specifically, they think he may have experienced the onset of schizophrenia. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI, schizophrenia often develops, or more like reveals itself, in men during their late teens to early 20s. In women, schizophrenia typically develops a little later in life, in their 20s to early 30s. So I'm not saying that Obviously, I'm not saying that everybody develops that at those ages. I'm just saying that when and if it happens, it's usually around those ages in men and women. According to NAMI, schizophrenia is a serious mental illness that interferes with a person's ability to think clearly, manage emotions, make decisions, and relate to others. It's a very complex, long-term medical illness. And while the exact prevalence of schizophrenia is difficult to measure, It's estimated that between 0.25% and 0.64% of all U.S. adults are diagnosed with it. The symptoms include much of what Dane appeared to be going through. Symptoms often consist of hallucinations, delusions, negative symptoms such as speaking in a dull, disconnected way, and cognitive issues or disorganized thinking. And the only way to treat schizophrenia is through intervention, like medication, psychotherapy, and even self-management strategies and education. When considering the possibility of Dane experiencing a psychotic break, particularly the onset of schizophrenia, Deborah became very concerned because she had no training or education on mental illness. So she began doing as much research on the topic as possible, and she ended up reaching out to Bethany Yeiser, the co-founder and president of the Cures Foundation. CURES, C-U-R-E-S-Z, stands for Comprehensive Understanding via Research and Education into Schizophrenia. Bethany established the foundation because she too developed schizophrenia when she was in college, which resulted in her living on the streets as an unhoused person for over a year. She said if her parents had not have found her and intervened, she has no idea if she would be alive today or where she would be at now. After discussing Dane's situation and his actions and his behaviors with Bethany, Deborah came to the conclusion that it is a very big possibility Dane has developed schizophrenia, although he hasn't been formally diagnosed or medicated, which means he won't get any better unless his family is able to locate him to help him. Bethany explained how schizophrenia can dramatically affect a person's life who does not receive help. She said, quote, It just still amazes me. Schizophrenia can be such a thief, a thief of time, a thief of relationships, and can impact a young person in such a profound way. In Dane's case, I hope so, so much that eventually he will accept help, end quote. So Deborah has taken to social media to try and find her son. She explained, quote, I've built a community of kindness. We have over 20,000 followers on our Searching for Dane Elkins Facebook page. We call it a kindness search because Dane and every person suffering from mental health needs more kindness, end quote. Deborah said reaching out to Bethany helped her with what she is going to do when or if she does find Dane. You see, in the two and a half years that Dane has been missing, there have been several potential sightings of him first in Bakersfield, then in Mojave, and then again in Northern California, where a woman said she bought him food at a Taco Bell in Oakdale. According to News Nation Now, that woman, Kelly Christine, stated, quote, 
He was a younger gentleman, probably in his early 20s. Nice looking, but a little scruffy like he had been traveling on the road for a while. He was very polite and said thank you, and he was very well spoken, end quote. And then another woman, a young mother named Katie Roper and her son, reported seeing a man in April of 2022 who looked like Dane at Santa Cruz Wharf. She stated, quote, he was a super nice guy. He was super nice. He seemed a little scared of the government, so I gave him a $20 bill, and as I was leaving, I heard him order a water and a taco, end quote. Deborah is confident that these sightings were indeed her son. She said they describe her son perfectly, him being so polite and kind. Plus, she said he absolutely loves cold bottled water, which is what the young man ordered at Santa Cruz Wharf. But because nobody snapped a picture of him and because Dane was not in those locations when they investigated and followed up, there is no way to verify if these sightings were truly Dane or not. So Deborah has some advice for anybody who may, by chance, run into Dane. She offered, quote, I am hoping when someone sees Dane, they do not call him by his name because he is paranoid. Just strike a conversation and then let me know because we are waiting for a real-time sighting. I am hoping everybody is keeping an eye out for him, and I hear about it in real time so I could get to him before he leaves the area. If you are able to take a discreet photo or video so we can identify him, that will be very helpful." End quote. And that's where you come in. Did you by chance see Dane get into a vehicle near Bakersfield or Castaic on December 21st, 2020? If so, please call or text 562-504-6005. Or if you see him now, please try to do what Deborah asked and take a discreet photo of him in real time if possible. And again, please call or text the photo to 562-504-6005 to let them know of the sighting. Dane going missing truly haunts his family, and as the years pass, they can't help but miss him with every bone in their bodies. Deborah said that when Dane's birthday came around the first year he was missing, it was, quote, the darkest, saddest day. I didn't know how I was going to get up that morning because we had no idea where Dane was, end quote. But she knew she needed to be strong and stand up for her other three kids, so she got a cake for Dane to celebrate. She said, quote, to buy a cake for somebody that's not there is devastating, end quote. Cody, Dane's younger brother, recalled the last birthday they did get to spend with Dane. The family went to a sushi restaurant and then to a dessert place afterward. Cody said that day created a lasting memory for him. So now, when it's Dane's birthday or the anniversary date of his disappearance, Cody goes back to those two spots. Cody said, quote, it's like a cycle I kind of repeat just to kind of remember him, end quote. And Jade, well, she said life just seems so much lonelier now that Dane's not around. She said she just wants to tell him in person that he was right, that he has a sister now. She also said that, in a way, she just hopes Dane is being his silly prankster self, that he will show up again randomly and laugh and say it was all a big joke. Jade said, quote, It'd be really funny if he was just playing a massive prank on us, and then just a year from now or something, he just showed up on the couch again, and he's just like, Surprise! one can hope, she said as her voice trailed off. Regardless, the family is not giving up. They will continue to search and spend every single day looking for Dane until they find answers. So I'd like to leave you with some words from Deborah to wrap up this episode, who said, quote, I am not going to give up. 
I am going to find my son and be there for him and support him any way I can. Dane, I love you. I miss you. Our hearts are broken without you. I can't wait to hug you again. End quote. Dane Elkins is now 24 years old. He has green eyes and brown hair. He is 5 feet, 11 inches tall, and weighs about 170 pounds. So again, if you think you see Dane, please snap a picture or video and call or text 562-504-6005. Okay, y'all, that officially brings us to the end of Chronicle 58. Be sure to check out my social media where I always post photos associated with each case and episode. You can now find me at Campus Crime Chronicles on both Facebook and Instagram. Or you can follow my personal account on Instagram at Nicole Kaylin. That's K-A-L-Y-N-N. Also, I'm going to keep saying this for a while. I've told you that. <laughs> I officially have over 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts because of y'all. So thank you for doing that. But y'all, I need more. I've got to get the word out there. So if you haven't left a review yet, please do so. Or share the podcast with somebody you know who would love to be a campus crony. Okay, well, that's all for today, so bye for now. Campus Crime Chronicles is researched, written, and recorded by me, Nicole Turner, and it's edited and produced by Giari Gassaway. Tune in again in two weeks for the next Chronicle.